Welcome to the Concrete Nevers Podcast. This is episode 44. Welcome to the Concrete Nevers Podcast. My name is Brian Talor. I am the founder of Everest Life Coaching, where I help people reclaim their identities, rediscover their purpose, and live their lives with courage and conviction. And let me just say thank you. Thank you so much for taking a bit of your day and spending it here with me. I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Much love. I'm sending it all out to you guys. Thank you so much. For being a part of this show and I've got a real small favor to ask I promise it is super simple super easy couple clicks of the mouse and you're done and that that favor what is it all I'm asking is if you love the show go ahead and share this out on your social media timelines with your family and your friends just let them know that Conquering Everest podcast we're out here we're doing good work and you know our whole mission here is to provide hope for those who are struggling Whatever your struggles are, no matter how big or small the obstacles may be, somebody has been there, somebody has conquered that Everest, and you know what? We're here to show you, hopefully help you conquer that Everest too. Now, in today's show, I have a conversation with Justin and Alexis Black. Both are foster care alumni, serial entrepreneurs, and authors. Their businesses are focused around social impact, working to help others heal from their past traumas and build a life worth living. They've recently published a book called Redefining Normal, How Two Foster Kids Beat the Odds and Discovered Healing, Happiness, and Love. And guess what? That book was named number one Amazon bestseller in three different categories. So that's quite impressive. But Justin and Alexis Black... Um, they've got a great story. They've got, well, you know what? Let's let's not delay any further, shall we? Let's get right to it. Here's Justin and Alexis Black, and this is their story. All right. I think we are live, live for us. Welcome to Conquering Everest, Justin and Alexis Black. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here today with you. Yeah, it's a joy for us to be on here with you. I'm I'm glad to have you on. I look forward to hearing about your hearing your story and uh, about where you where you were and where you are. Um, by the way, you're you guys just let me a compliment. You guys are a good looking couple. I you know I'm just I, it just looks right to me. But anyways, um, no problem. Uh, let's go ahead and just for the sake of the audience, let's uh, let's give them a little introduction to who Justin and Alexis Black are. Yeah, of course. So um, as you've already said, our names, Justin and Alexis Black, I'm here with my mm-hmm. beautiful wife. Um, so uh, we both, we met in 2016 in, at Western Michigan University. I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan, and she's from Flint, Michigan. And we met in Kalamazoo at Western Michigan University because we both are uh, foster care alumni. And I spent 12 years in the system. I entered the system at nine years old largely due to uh, my, uh, you know, I I believe a lot of mental health issues in my family and a lot of things that were going unresolved. So 
I had the privilege of having so many people pour into my life to where I could eventually go to college to meet my amazing wife. And we will go on to, I'm skipping a lot of details, but <laughs> we'll get to, to, she would go and influence me to um, study abroad five times and travel to over nearly 30 countries and start wow. multiple businesses with her after we graduate. And not only just survive the foster care system, but use those experiences to make me who I am today. And I'm um, extremely blessed, blessed by God, blessed by the people he, he surrounded me with, especially my wife, an amazing mentor. So that's just a little bit about me. Um, we co-wrote the book, Redefining Normal, as we have here with us right now. You can also see in the back, we have our podcast. You can see to the left, Rose from Concrete Podcast and business owners of Redefining Normal and a couple other companies. Mm -hmm. He's on the most of it. So... <laughs> <laughs> Alexis Black, uh, recent college graduate, as we both are, um, also grew up in the foster care system. I entered care at about 13 uh, and then aged out at 21 and was adopted at 26. So um, skipping a lot, but uh, met in college and it's been a crazy ride so far. And now we're just trying to serve other people and, um, and spread our story and spread our mission. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. So you're both, uh, both went through foster care and I, at least for me, I think there's a lot of um, when I think of foster care, I think of a lot of moving, uh, a lot of um, a lot of different families. And I and I do think of like bad stuff, too. <laughs> right. You know, mm -hmm. like um, what what for, for those of us, including myself, that that is that that's not really familiar with the foster care and may have some, you know, preconceived ideas of what that's like yeah, yeah what 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 is, what was foster care like for each of you i mean foster care is different for everybody you know it's different for so many different people uh you know i can say my experience alexis can say her experience and even though in some ways we have some overlap you can have someone who is in foster care who maybe just simply had their parents pass away from maybe like a car accident or something like that and maybe they went to go live with a grandma and they are in kinship care, which is a form of foster care. Mm -hmm. It could be something as simple as that, which has its own trauma. But for myself, I think what uh, most people have in common in foster care there, they always have this question within this and this, this void that they want to feel of why weren't my parents there for me? Why weren't uh, they didn't love me? Mm -hmm. Or why can't I have my parents, you know, and for foster youth, who may have had their parents not around for substance abuse issues, or maybe going to prison for whatever reason, they're always asking, why weren't my parents there for me? Why, why didn't they take care of me? Why didn't they love me? We always have this question going on in our head and in our heart. And for a lot of youth, we internalize that as we don't deserve love. We don't deserve to be cared for. We didn't deserve parents. So we put ourselves in situations and environments where you know it's not healthy. It's very toxic, whether it's relationships, circumstances, situations. We put ourselves in intentionally in unhealthy situations because we believe that's what we deserve. And I feel that that's pretty common for most foster youth. And we need to uh, understand and have grace and mercy for why our parents couldn't be there for us, why they went through what they went through. And once we get a better understanding of that, then we can have a better understanding of where we are currently and in our situation. So for that's something I can say that's pretty general for all foster youth, but um, our story can be extremely different. Everybody's story in foster care can be extremely different. So it's no way of saying um, exactly 
what everybody in the system has experienced and what it's like for foster care youth and that be just completely the same for everybody. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And then how, how about you, Alexis? Was was your, I mean, overall the the foster, going through the foster, because you, you, you said you aged out. And then mm -hmm. here's what I find interesting. You said at 26, you got adopted. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about like your experience while you were in it and then maybe talk a little bit about the, the adoption at 26, what that was like? Yeah. So I was um, in a kinship placement from 13 to about 17. And then my aunt and uncle kicked me out of their house. So my junior year of high school uh, packed up my stuff, kicked me out. And I was put into a foster home uh, who ended up then being my uh, adoptive parents at 26. But I waited that span because I didn't want to lose my health insurance. Because uh, in Michigan, you and it may be this way across the board, but if you get adopted before 26, then you would lose your health insurance. And so I wanted to make sure that I that I kept that. So for my 26th birthday, I asked them to adopt me. That was that was my birthday present because um, December 2019, they got adopted. And then August of 2020, we got married. And I wanted to say like, you know, my dad walked me down the aisle. <laughs> okay, very cool. So, so for me, you know, I, my story is, I mean, I grew up in a, in a fairly dysfunctional family. I didn't have a lot of parental overview or, um, and I questioned myself a lot. There was some emotional trauma that, that went on. So I found myself when I became a teenager, I got very, I was very insecure inside, but in order to kind of hide that, I put on this false bravado of the tough guy and I started getting into some trouble and doing some things that I shouldn't have been doing. What was that like during your teenagers? Did you guys find because of the lack of, you know, maybe your mother, your father, whatever, whatever reasons that, that you got put into foster care, did it cause you to act out at all or were your families, you know, pretty pretty motivational for you? Like, did they inspire you to do more in your teenage years? I mean, definitely. That's, that's what everybody, not even just foster care youth, but people who've experienced trauma, that's what we all have to kind of go through. We're all trying to have a better understanding of our situation. And as we do that, we kind of um, internalize that trauma. So for me, you know, being that I lived in Detroit this entire time, and my my mom and dad also lived in Detroit, maybe no more than 25, 30 minutes away from me. I always feel like, man, so so for a lot of people who are in foster care and I talk to people who, you know, they, I tell them my experiences and I just mentioned that I've experienced the foster care system. A lot of them say, oh, you didn't know your parents or you never met them. And it gets awkward, you know, when I say, yeah, I knew them. And it's like, OK, you knew your parents and were they around like. Uh, I went to spend holidays with them. I knew of them. I knew where they lived and everything. And they knew where I lived. And they're like, so why didn't they take care of you? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so throughout my teenage years, I had to kind of deal with that, that void of like, my parents, they were close to me. They knew where I lived. I lived with my aunt for a large part of my time in foster care. And, you know, they just never came to see me often. And I had to deal with that. Like, man, I'm struggling so much in school. I'm struggling emotionally and my parents treat me like an inconvenience. They treat me like, you know, I, I'm not really important mm -hmm. to them, you know, and I will always think to, you know, if I had a child that I would never want to leave my kids alone if they're going through so much, if they're mm -hmm. suffering a lot. And because, you know, I feel like I didn't deserve my parents love and I'm always working and fighting for their love. 
as a young child, I fought a lot. I got into a lot of situations suspended in school because I simply just wanted some attention. And becoming that bully in school gave me the popularity and attention that I wasn't receiving at home. That we talk a lot about in the book, that desperation for love. And that desperation for love carried over into my teenage years where, you know, I was just acting out and doing whatever I wanted because I made friends in school. I would basically be a follower in school. You know, whatever my friends wanted me to do, um, talk to girls and, you know, do stuff like that or steal steal for them give them answers for a test, whatever they wanted me to do. I seen that as friendship and as loyalty and as love. So I did that. And that was my kind of, I didn't understand that until I was an adult, uh, even maybe even writing this book, but that's how things kind of came together for me. Just understanding that I, I am trying to fill that void uh, of not having love for my parents and them not seemingly caring for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I used to get into a lot of fights and stuff um, in middle school and then I would say more of high school, I uh, got really close to my teachers and my teachers more or less um, were my safe haven in, in high school. I started to um, really eat lunch like in bathrooms or in the counselor's office or even with, or with my teachers. Like I stopped interacting with students so much as I did with um, other individuals who were willing to give me that safe space. So that's where I really focused my time a lot in high school. And, really because of them, I was able to get through high school and to graduate. And there were a couple of times where I almost got into a fight, like things were stolen and I confronted them and yada, yada. But, um, but I, I had in the back of my mind that I'm going to graduate. And by kind of stooping down to that level of fighting and, and doing that, that was going to keep me from my goal. So I found a way to kind of refrain from that in high school, but it wasn't, it wasn't easy because that was, uh, that was a way to, you know, get some of that anger and things yeah. out there, which, I needed to find other outlets. Okay. And and I think I know the answer to this question. Um, So I'm going to start with you, Alexis. Uh, I think I know the the answer to the question for Justin. Maybe not. We'll find out. But so for you, Alexis, when you got into school, you kind of had this mindset that you're going to get to this, you're going to do this. But what was like the turning point for you? I mean, wh- when did you go from kind of rebellious teen to determined teen slash adult? That's a great question. And so it's kind of funny because halfway through our book, it's literally called turning point. Because <laughs> that's okay. what we identified in our life. Like where was the moment or moments, you know, a period of or a season of life? It doesn't necessarily have to be a moment that kind of, you know, flipped a switch or anything. It could be a period uh, or an, an encounter or whatever it is. But there was a time where we had to make that decision for ourselves because nobody could do that for us of when are we going to choose to be different from the path that we've been set on from society, our family, our community, whatever it is, we have to redefine what that looks like and hence the name. Um, <laughs> so we had to, we had to kind of figure that out. And for, I think largely for the both of us, it was our foster, it was our foster family. And it was getting out of our environment of where we grew up from, uh, and our family environment, things that were more or less holding us back from growth and from seeing and exposing to different way of thinking and being and dynamics, whatever it may be. And so largely for the both of us, I would say it is the exposure to uh, a different foster family outside of our community and outside of the family that we grew up in. Okay. So for Justin, I was going to say, I was going to give Alexis all the credit for, for your transformation, but do you agree that, you know, your, your foster family kind of helped plant that seed and got you to turn? I would give credit more to just everybody in the community that I was in and I was a part of. 
So for me, um, I think for every young person, every foster youth, everybody who's experienced trauma, uh, one parent absent, both parent absence, or any type of situation, I think there's something deep down in them that maybe wants to be successful, wants to go to college, wants to choose this career, but you don't have that circle around you in that environment to kind of tell you that it's possible or you can do it or you to build that confidence. And it seems so far away, so far fetched that you kind of bury it. And for them, for me, changing my environment to people who thought the worst of me and my um, and the parents where I was with at the time, my foster parents I was with, transitioning from that to going to a group home that was being funded by the church who uh, gave us mentors and so many people who were part of our support system, people who believed in me, people who looked like me, who were successful. Being in that environment really helped me to say, okay, I guess I can do this. I can go to college and be successful because they were successful and they believed in me. <laughs> if you have a circle of people around you who are telling you positive things like all the time and expects nothing but the best from you, as opposed to people who think nothing but the worst of you, that was like a complete 180 for me. And I think just that community of people speaking life into me really helped me get on track and really, you know, it's a process like Alexis said, but really helped me make the decision to where I want to be better and I will get better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Cause I, and I, yeah, I totally agree with everything you said that the people around you to influence you, to push you, to hold you accountable and, and even help you plant the seeds, you know, the, you know, the, the seeds of your mind, right? You reap what you sow. And, mm -hmm. and so you, you got to make sure you're planting the right nuggets of information and motivation to, 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 to advance, to, to improve, improve a life. Mm -hmm. And you guys have done that. So you guys have a lot going on. You've got the book, um, you're, you're multiple time serial entrepreneurs, authors. So let's, let's talk about what you got going on. I mean, what, what are you guys doing nowadays? Uh, a lot. <laughs> we have a lot going on, but really it's all because of grace and mercy from God. And it's all, all a blessing. But um, first and foremost, this book, Redefining Normal, this is really mm -hmm. our foundation of, of really, I feel like all of our businesses or most of our businesses. So this book we launched in November 9th, uh, 2020. And the foundation and the idea behind Redefining Normal, a lot of people come up to ask us, is it pandemic related? or something like that. But really, the idea of found it, uh, redefining normal is, you know, the influence your family, community, and society has on your identity and the culture that you're building for yourself. So we've been able to identify the relationships in our lives from our parents, starting with our parents and the relationship we have with our mom and dad and the relationship they have with each other and how that culture and foundation was built. And every single person has that culture and foundation that standard built by their parents. Mm -hmm. Even if you had two parents that you never saw that was completely absent in your life, that sets the standard and the culture which you will live by. So everybody has that standard and culture. What we do in this book is we talk, we walk people through how that standard and culture was built for us and how it became our normal. And in a lot of ways became an unhealthy version of a normal, but how we had to go through the process of unlearning and relearning that turning point and really shaping a culture for ourselves that was conducive for our, our children and our children's children and how two people who came together with a bunch of trauma had to kind of leave behind their trauma or not leave it behind but process it how we can support each other and go through that process so this book is the foundation of everything that we do but redefining normal is also a company where we do workshops 
speeches on community, a uh, circle around you, developing character, uh, character development, time management with the professionalism and so many professionalism tips. And um, stemming from that to the podcast, Roll Some Concrete mm -hmm. Podcast, which is over there, and so many other projects and things we have coming in the works, like our audio book, our workbook, where we literally, we always say you can take our lives out of the Redefining Normal book and put your life in. But with the workbook, you could literally do that. We'll be asking you tough questions on building character and building culture and building the future for generations. So it's a bright future, but it's all a blessing and it's a lot of work. So yeah. we're extremely thankful for it all. How hard was it for you guys to, because um, you said you, you said in there that you had to unlearn, uh, mm -hmm. you know, how, how hard was that? I, I, I know from just mm -hmm. speaking from my experience, sometimes it could get frustrating because you don't feel like things are moving fast enough, or at least for me. What was that process like for you two? Yeah, I think so much of that came down to like personal reflection and, and healing and time with ourselves, time with God, uh, surrounding ourselves with individuals who are also on their own path of healing and reflection and growth and wanting to do better and be better. So there's, there's that accountability piece. That's where we largely, you know, lean on friends, but lead on uh, mentors, things like that. Mm -hmm. And we have several mentors like professional development, but also personal development, supporting us in different things that we want to learn and grow for ourselves. And that includes that healing piece. It includes that uh, uh, breaking those generational patterns and being super intentional on that. So in order to do that, you have to understand more or less, where is the root of that? Like, where is that coming from? How did we create these narratives for ourselves, these different things that we, that we listen to that tell us what it is that we can or can't do in our lives. And so that's why it's, it's so cliche, but when people say, uh, you know, you're, your biggest competitor is yourself or the only one that's going to hold you back is yourself. And that is absolutely true because it's all based on your perception. That's why I always say like, you change your thoughts, you change your life. It's completely based on that. But even um, bigger than that is who you are surrounding yourself with, because that's going to feed that thought process, yeah. whether good or bad. So you have to decide what it is that you want from life, what characteristics, what skills, what other things do you want to build and how are you going to build your community around that to sustain that going forward uh, and make sure that it's, you're actually um, uh, encapsulating all of those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fant fantastic. Uh, playbook <laughs> right there. People could follow. Um, let's talk a little bit about your podcast. What, what uh, folks that tune in, what can they expect to hear on the podcast? Of course. So the name of the podcast is roll some concrete. And ROSE is actually an acronym for Rising Over Societal Expectation, which stems from one of our initiatives we have with Redefining Normal called the ROSE Empowerment Group. But ROSE Some Concrete Podcast, I'm not sure if, if you're familiar with the Tupac poem, uh, The Rose That Grew From Concrete. So the rose that grew from concrete, you know, roses, they don't grow from concrete. And usually if they're growing from concrete, if it was to grow from concrete, it would have damaged petals. And so many people in society will focus on those damaged petals instead of looking at the rose's tenacity to reach the sun, its will and desire to reach the sun. And that's basically what the podcast is about. So uh, talking about different tough, sub tough subjects that stem from the book, like communication, uh, definitions of love, character development, and personal uh, professional life, but also inviting on guests to talk about some of those things as well, how they've been able to rise above how they've been able to redefine normal in their life and their professional career and their personal lives in society in many different ways. So one of my episodes that I always use as an example is 
when I invited a friend on named Rosalind. She is a, a art. She has an arts degree from Western Michigan University. And people always ask, like, what can you do with an art degree mm-hmm. from Western Michigan? But she defies so many things and she's overcome so many things and she's made a life worth living with her career path. And I love those conversations. And we just invite people on to share their story of rising over as well as me just individually covering stories and different t- topics of rising over as well. And uh, Alexis should be coming on a few episodes pretty soon. She's extremely busy. <laughs> yeah, it's just fine time to get on there. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I told him, create it with you on the cover because I cannot commit <laughs> every episode. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm guessing it's probably available everywhere. Yep. Yes, I, iTunes, Spotify, all that good Absolutely. stuff. Yep. And then uh, for anybody that's listening to this, that, that's really resonating with your story and want to um, want to get you to, to know you two more, uh, what's the best ways to find you? Websites, social media? Yeah, so our website is re-definingnormal.com. Facebook is Redefining Normal Movement. Instagram and TikTok is re.definingnormal. So those are the ways that you can find us there. Our book redefine normal right here uh and that's also available on our website at redash defining normal you can google us uh redefining normal justin alexis black it's gonna be right there <laughs> if you can't remember it yeah, yeah it's on amazon it's it's at every major um bookstore target, target barnes and noble walmart all walmart, that yeah definitely Very cool. our goal is really just to continue the conversation of redefining normal because even though you may see us on the cover this conversation goes beyond ourselves we believe that every single person has a normal to redefine, whether you've grown up in the foster care system or not, whether you've grown up in a two-parent household or not. Everybody has to be self-reflective of the culture, they, their character, and what they're building. And even though they're uh, from their parents have maybe been passed down a good, a good character, good culture, you know, sometimes there may be aspects where they're not the best or not the healthiest, and you have to reflect on that and say, okay, I want to fine-tune some things. I want to pass down an even better thing, Mm -hmm. even better culture for my children and my children's children. So that's what we want to challenge each and every individual to do. I know people always say you need to have a target market and audience, but everybody has normals to redefine. So we want to continue this conversation through multiple different platforms and avenues. Right. And so as we get ready to wrap up here, I always like to ask one last question. Uh, I don't, I don't really script questions, but this one, this one's, I, I just got in the habit of asking and, and it kind of might put you on the spot a little bit. I, I don't know, but that, that, that final question, you guys can answer together or separately. It's up to you, but for the person that's listening to this podcast that, you know, per, for whatever reason, let's say they don't, they can only take one thing with them. They're going to tune, you know, turn this podcast off and they're, they're going to take one nugget of information one nugget of wisdom with them what would what would you want them to if nothing else what would you want them to remember (laughs) that's a very good question um so many things to remember and to go over but i mean i would just say you know challenge yourself to think purpose think purpose what is your purpose here and and try to incorporate others in that purpose you don't ever want to create a purpose where it's solely about you, but think a hundred years down the line, you know, how does your, your family culture and dynamic and legacy look a hundred years down the line? And how does that incorporate into impacting your household, your community and society overall? 
And, and, and so, you know, a lot of times that question always gets answered with a really good answer. And when it does, it prompts another question and, and your answer prompted another question. You mentioned uh, live your purpose. Um, what, what if that individual's not sure? They don't, they don't know what their purpose in life is. What would you, how would you advise them to discover what that is? I mean, I have my opinions, but I, I want yours. That's like a billion dollar question. And once, <laughs> yeah. Once people find that out, it may help them in so many different ways. But one thing that helped me understand that first off through God, but really I would say for each and every individual, they have to reflect on their skills and abilities and what they have. And what advantage do you have at helping people solve the problems that they have? Do you have uh, skills and abilities that will help solve the problems of the world? And once you use your skills, talents, and abilities to solve those problems, move on to the next problem and continue to do that. You know, and we believe that everything you've gone through, everything that you've learned throughout <laughs> you first being born to now, all those try all that trauma, failure, and everything that you've gone through, that rejection in life will build into those skills and solving those problems. And that's why we're entrepreneurs, because we believe in solving problems through business, through innovative thinking and other ways. So all that incorporated will help you understand your purpose and understanding that you have an advantage of solving some of the problems in the world. And we always believe that we're a part of a body as a community. And there's the head, which we believe is, is you know, through our spirituality, but there we all are a part of a body. and. If you, you know, if you hurt one part of the body, we all feel it. So we're all a part of a community globally. So we have to serve one another and think of ourselves as community, serving your family, neighborhood, your, your state, serving other people. We feel as a part of your purpose. So incorporating others in that is mm -hmm. extremely important because if your purpose is solely about you, then I don't think that's much of a purpose, but more about greed and selfishness. Yep. I love how you put it too, because so many people look at suffering as why me instead of why not me. And let me take this, what I had to go through, let me make it better for somebody else, which I think you guys are doing. And um, yeah, kudos. I, I love the story. I, I, I love how you guys, you know, came together and, and, and you've got this mission and, and uh, yeah, it's, man, what can you say? It's just got it. It has its own life. So Thank you, Justin Lexus. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. And uh, anybody listening, don't worry. I have all the links and everything you need to connect with them in the description below. But uh, thank you. Thank you so much. No, thank awesome. you. Thank you for having us yeah, on. We really is, appreciate it. This is a it. pleasure. Thank you so much. Hopefully we can connect soon. So there you go. There you have it. My conversation with Justin and Alexis Black, a young couple sharing their story and looking to change the world. I love it. Make sure you show them some love by checking out their links, which I've included in the uh, show description below. Uh, check out their book and make sure you check out the podcast. Uh, they're doing great things and I look forward to seeing what the future holds for them. Thank you once again for tuning in and listening and being a part of the Conquering Everest podcast family. Please be sure to share this podcast out. Let everybody know that Conquering Everest, we're out here and we're trying to make a difference, uh, difference in this world and help people overcome those challenges. Uh, you know, you know, I, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. So, hey, that's going to do it for today's episode. 
And, you know, I've got to leave you with the same thing I always leave you with because I feel it's important. I want you to aim high, be courageous, and go do amazing things.